Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Let's start from the beginning because we're in this series and uh, we've actually completed our core values and today we're talking about mandates, but I really want you getting them in your heart real good. So first of all, we value presence. Why? Every time we gather, everywhere we go, we value family. We follow Jesus together. We value honor. So we honor up, down, and honor all around. We value power because God is moving today, and we value generosity. We're blessed to be a blessing, and we talked about that last week, that we're blessed. In fact, if you're here, if you got in a car today, you're in one of the top 3% of the world, that you got in a car today and you drove here, that you realize that you're blessed, and that you, you, you've already received so much if you're, if you're saved, if you belong to God. Come on, you're blessed. And there is something in you. There's a richness of soul about you that you have encouragement that you can bring other people, even when you're discouraged. In fact, we, we've, we've learned that, that we, can, we can actually sow seeds of encouragement even when we don't have it, and then we'll reap it. Come on. And so we're learning those type of things. But today, we wanted to focus on our mandates as a church because our mandates have a lot to do with our culture. What is Overflow Church called to do? And we've been talking about the beginning, right? We've been talking about Genesis a lot. We've been spending a little bit of time referencing the, the makeup of man, like why we exist. And we started off with this verse in verse, uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says, the Lord God placed man, right? He appointed him, is actually the Hebrew word there, that God appointed him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to watch it. Remember? And so the Lord appointed him there to work and to watch it. So wherever God has planted you, wherever God has appointed you, he didn't just appoint you to go and eat there, right? He didn't just appoint you to go and just enjoy it. There's, there's an enjoyment that's there, absolutely. You should just enjoy it, enjoy it, but you don't just enjoy it. Come on, you work it and you watch it. You tend it. You tend wherever God has planted you. That's why you take good care of your house. That's why you take good care of your things. God has given you those things to tend it. And to watch it, right? God's given you a family to tend it and to watch it, right? God's given you a job, oh, to tend it and to watch it. Sometimes you need to watch your attitude when you're at work, right? But God's given you something to work at, and we're working the ground. So God has planted you here at Overflow Church to work it. And to watch it. So some of y'all, you just watch it. <laughs> Come on. And there's not a whole lot of work. Come on. And, but, but you're here, and we're grateful you're here, but I, but I think sometimes we will miss the blessing if we just watch and we don't work. If we watch and we just don't work. So the, here's the deal. If you belong to God, you have a mandate on your life. Even if you don't belong to God, you have a mandate on your life. And the only way that you're going to know your destiny and your purpose is if you're connected to God through Jesus. And so we, we know that God has given us these, these two things. One's called the Great Commission, and one's called the Great Command, right? The great command comes before the great commission, and there's a lot of people trying to do the great commission without the great command, and it just don't work. And so the great command is what? To love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're all called to that. You don't get, you don't get a pass because you had a bad day. You don't get a pass because you were born into a, a family that wasn't privileged. You don't get a pass to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You don't get a pass if you were born into a family that was privileged, 
you don't get a pass to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's a mandate for all men. The, the second mandate is this. What we're called to is the Great Commission, to go make disciples of all nations. You don't get a pass because you're not an evangelist. You don't get a pass because you're not in full-time ministry. You don't get a pass because you're not paid for it. We're all called it. We're all called to this thing called discipling nations. And that your role in that might look a little bit different in my role in that. My role is to equip the body of Christ as a pastor to equip the saints, you guys, for the ministry. So my job is to give you tools on a Sunday morning so you can go out and make disciples of nations. That's really my job as your pastor. And when you're going through a hard time to, to be there for you and to counsel you, why? Because I'm equipping you with courage that you need to, to fulfill your mandate. And every church, listen, every church has its emphasis. And I think sometimes we get frustrated for other churches because they have different specific mandates. Now, all, both mandates need to fit in those. All, all mandates need to fit in those two mandates, right? And so God has given each pastor, each leader, each church, each organization that belongs to God, God has given them specific things that they're supposed to do, right? Just like God's given you specific things to do. I'm not critical. If God's, if God's called you to the workplace to make tons of money, which some of you, God has called you, not just so you get fat of blessings, so you can be a blessing. We know that. Some of you, God has given you ideas on how to do things that he didn't give me. But I don't look at you and go, man, I wish I could make money like that. No, I say, I have an assignment. I have a specific mandate on my life. My life, my mandate is to make you the best Whataburger employee that you can be. Right? That you have a good posture when you show up. To work, right? So that, that's my job. And so today, what I want to do is I, I want to talk about the emphasis of this house. And one of the things, listen, one of the things that, get, that that's frustrates the body of Christ is whenever we look at people that aren't called to the things that we're called to, and we go, they should be doing what I'm doing, right? For instance, when I got saved, I got discipled uh, through an inner city ministry in Odessa, Texas. I know you think there's an inner city in Odessa, Texas. Every city has its ghetto. And so um, I was a youth pastor in this church. Before I was a youth pastor there, I was discipled through that ministry. So we worked that ministry. So we were kind of around this real humanitarian mindset of people that were doing similar ministry. Inner city ministry, feeding the poor. Come on, this kind of stuff, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. A lot of humanitarian stuff. It's awesome. I love it. And so, but the attitude that I took on was if you're not, if you're not working in the hood, if you're not working... In, Whatever word, I know we got to be so careful with all the words, all the terms now. But if you're, not, if you're not in the projects ministering to people, then you're not doing the work of God. Because I thought everybody should minister the way that I'm ministering. And I developed this chip on my shoulder that if people weren't out evangelizing like I was evangelizing, then they were doing, they weren't fulfilling what God called them to do. And it got me in a lot of trouble because it made my heart bitter. And so we see this all the time in the body of Christ. People go, well, what are you doing to feed the poor people? I don't know, what are you doing? I, I'm not doing anything at the moment, but what are you doing? Well, we're going out every Friday. Are, well, have you invited me to go yet? No, you're just frustrated that I'm not doing what you think needs to be done. Listen, if it's your misery, it's your ministry. Come on. And so if it's burden your heart, then go after it, and I'll do whatever I can as your pastor to help you accomplish that. So everybody has a mandate, and don't get, don't get confused. Know what you're called, called to do, and if you're called to this church, you're called to these mandates with us. And I, I make no apologies about that. You say, well, I'm not really interested in that. Well, then go to a church that you can find interest in. 
what they're doing, believe in what they're doing. I, I hope you don't. I hope you'll buy into these things. But you need to be somewhere where you can fulfill God's purposes on the earth. Come on. So Jesus gives us the scripture. So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on our mandate. We're going to work the ground. And so um, years ago, Leslie used to do cakes. She would do all, you know, all these cakes, these uh, cake boss cakes, right, where they, they make all the, the, the things. You know, It was really awesome, and we were putting on weight and everything because she was baking all the time. And um, so she would make this material called fondant. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like a, kind of like a dough. And you can buy fondant already made, or you can make it yourself. Well, Leslie's, Pastor Leslie's really frugal. And so if you know that, so she makes her own fondant. She hadn't made it in a long time. I think that's the way the, the guys, fondant is the way he says it. Fondant, we just call it like, you know, we're from West Texas. And so she would, you know, get the marshmallows and all this kind of stuff. And then she had to change the color of it because it was always white because it was made with marshmallows and, or something, some things, marshmallows and powdered sugar and sugar and sugar, all kinds of sugar in there. And uh, it actually didn't really taste awesome, but it was what it was. And then she would have to change the color. And I remember talking to her, and she would say, you know, red is the hardest one. Wasn't it red? Red is the hardest one to make. And I remember watching her make the fondant. Fondant. And she would, you know, she would get it out. She'd put it all, like, it was like dough. And she would put the color in there, right? And then she would begin to work it. Her hands are red. She's throwing elbows, man. She's working. I mean, it takes a long time. And she's in there, you know, I'm like, man, I need to go to the gym because my wife's, wife's about to be buffer than I am. And so she's like working it really, really good. And it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of work to get it to permeate all of the dough, if you will. Now, check this out. This verse came alive to me because of that. Jesus said this in Matthew 13, The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she only put a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. And so if you've ever made bread from scratch before, you've got to put yeast in there. But you don't just sprinkle it on there and then walk away and go, there's going to be bread tomorrow. No, you've got to work the yeast in until it permeates every part of the dough. And this is what we've been doing during this season. We've been working in to your heart, into your life, into our church, the culture of who we are as a church and what God's called us to. And so what I want to do today is I want to work in our mandates not just, not just the posture that we have as we talked about our values, but actually what we're called to do. This is what we're called to do as a church. And I'm going to share four stories because they all came from really the word of the Lord. The first one is this, and I want you to declare these with me today, is to love who he sends. Love who he sends. Can you say that with me? Love who he sends. So when we, were, when we moved out here in 2012 to start Overflow Church, we had two kids and a baby on the way. And we were looking for a house. We couldn't find a house. So we were homeless for like two months. Now, we weren't living out of our car. We were living in a hotel. Um, not a nice hotel. Not a hotel that you would want to live in. Definitely wouldn't want your kids to be in. And so, uh, and we just lived in different places. We were looking for a place for a house to buy, to start our church in. We were looking for a house that, hey, that we could meet some people in, maybe about 20 people, and then we could find a facility. And so, during that process, there was a lot of tension because we had all this, you guys have heard me talk about, we had all this word on the front end about, yeah, you're going to start a church. We're like, yeah, come on, let's go. And then we got out here, we got moved, we got our stuff in storage. It was like, oh, well, wait a second, we can't find a house. 
And so there's this lot of tension in the moment. So during that time, we're thinking about who are we going to ask to be a part of our team? Who are we going to invite to our church before we even have a church? All this kind of stuff. And I'm still dealing as a spiritual father over spiritual sons and daughters that I have in the faith. And there's this one particular son in the faith who just always finds himself in these strange ideas, just conspiracy theories and just weird things. And I just love him. You know, I just love him. He's like a son to me. And so we're, we're dealing with that. I, I'm burdened by this. And I'm thinking, man, you know, they're rejecting this kid. He wasn't a kid at the time. He's like his mid-20s. And I'm like, they're rejecting this guy, my kid, come on, because, not because they're rejecting him, but they're rejecting his ideologies. Like, he's just he's getting into weird stuff. And so, and he, he was still serving the Lord, but he's just, there's a lot of weird things he's adding in. And so, I, I had a conversation with him on Facebook. I was like, listen, man, I just want to encourage you because he made a post. I just feel so rejected. And my heart was like, oh, man. I was like, don't feel so rejected. Like, you know, they're rejecting your crazy ideas. <laughs> you know, they're not rejecting you. And I just had this conversation with him. So I was really troubled by that. And then we were thinking about who we were going to invite to our church. Well, we didn't know anybody. So we're like inviting people that are like messed up. Like people just get out of jail and stuff. And Leslie and I are like, well, do we really want people coming into our home <laughs> that are like that messed up? I'm just being honest with you. And we're going to be around our kids, you know? And I remember just dealing one night in the middle of the night, waking up, and my heart is just burdened. Like, all these things are happening. And we're staying in this extended stay hotel where you know, drugs are being dealt all night, and I, and I can't sleep, and I go to the bathroom, and I'm just in the bathroom, and I'm sitting there. I'm actually sat down on the bathroom floor. I, I could take you to the room and right there in the moment, and I'm, I'm thinking about this guy that I love, this spiritual son. I'm thinking about the people that will come that we'll invite to be part of our house. Like, wh- what is this going to look like? And I remember just sitting down in that moment, and I had a moment with the Lord. You know, sometimes God will put up a declaration in you. I believe that when Peter walked on the water, it was Jesus's idea long before it was Peter's. I think that desire was put in Peter. So I'm like Peter on the water and I'm sitting there and I'm dealing with all this pressure and this burden comes in my heart. Have you ever had something that's just in you and you just got to say it? I believe many times that's the Lord. It was just an unction from the Lord. And I said, Lord, we will love Everyone you send us. And I remember the next morning I told Pastor Leslie about that. I said, we're going to love everyone God sends us. And I can tell you, I can tell you as like almost eight and a half years in, that has been tested. (laughs) Because some people are just hard to love. But I remember in the burden of this moment, thinking of people that are hard to love, I said, God, we will love every single person you send us. And that, from that moment, man, we started seeing the word love. We started seeing hearts everywhere like it was Valentine's Day, and it was July. It was the craziest thing. And so there's this, this tension. And I'm reminded of Jesus and his, his hospitable heart, his hosting heart. And Matthew chapter 23, he's given this rebuke. And we, you know, many of us, when we're like fervent for the Lord, we really like when Jesus rebukes religious people, you know. But, but let me remind you that you're probably religious in your own right. 
And so Jesus is here in Matthew chapter 23, and he's rebuking. He's pointing the finger at all the religious. He's just like, you guys are whitewashed walls and tombs. He's like, you're a brood of vipers. He's like rebuking them like hardcore, like not PC things. And they're just like, whoa, whoa, Jesus. (laughs) Could you act a little bit more like Jesus? And he's like rebuking them. But it it says in, in Luke's account, it actually says that he's weeping. So he's doing this. Listen, anytime the Lord is rebuking you, he's weeping. Because, because the, the, the point of his finger serves the welcome of his wings. He's pointing you to welcome you. He's not pointing you to go away. He's pointing you to say, come to me. I'm the only way out of that. And so it says this. This is, oh, Jerusalem, Matthew 23, 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. Rebuke. How often, this is his heart. He's pointing his finger. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. So in the point of his finger, come on. He is serving the welcome of his wings. He's saying, would you come in? I've, I've longed to gather you. I'm, re- I'm rebuking you, but I, but I want to bring you in. And he says this, but you won't let me. It's so the heart of Jesus, even amongst the hypocrites and the religious and the broken and everyone, the cry is the same, come to me. And so this is the heart of Overflow Church that we would love who he sends. See, we are an extension of those blood-stained wings. We are an extension of those wings that say, I long to gather you in this place of mercy as a hen gathers her chicks. I just want to bring you in and protect you, give you grace and comfort you. This is the heart beneath those blood-stained wings. We are saying, Lord, we will be an extension of your wings. We will love everyone you send us. Just bring them in, Lord. We will be a place for the broken. That's one of the things that, because we, we went through some church hurt, you know, and maybe you've been through some church hurt. I don't know, but church hurt for some reason hurts worse than other hurt. And we said, Lord, we want to be a people that have been, that have been just done dirty by the church. We want to, we want to restore hope to those that have lost hope in the church. It's his church. Yeah, I was reading yesterday in John chapter 6 where Jesus is feeding the multitude, the, lo- the loaves and the fish, remember? And, and, and I read this verse, and it just resounded in my heart. It says, when they had gathered enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. One translation says this, gather the broken Pieces. Gather the broken pieces. Let nothing be wasted. So I feel like Overflow Church, one of the things that we're called to do is gather the broken pieces. Gather those that have, that have been broken and bruised. Gather those. And bring them beneath these blood-stained wing to, wings to host and to heal. To host and to heal. So we pay a lot of attention 
to trying to develop a safe place, a place beneath these wings. So that's why when you pull up, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that's why when you pull up, there's people in the parking lot to greet you. That's why when you come in here, the building is clean. There's warm coffee. There's warm smiles. We got all that stuff. Is that because we're a seeker-sensitive church or anything like that? Well, we are, we, we are seeker-sensitive, but we're not seeker-centered. Come on. And so we, what we are is we're saying we are sensitive to people that are coming in because we know that a lot of people, it's hard for them to show up at church. And so what we want to do is we want to create an environment where people can come in and feel welcome and loved and safe. Many that feel rejection when they think about the church. You know, what, what if, what if the reputation of the church was the most welcoming place on the planet? I would love, and that, that, is a, that is a reputation that came out. When people started saying, welcome home, we were like, what, what are they talking about? Because they were like, it just feels like home here. It just feels like home here. People just kept saying that. We just feels like home here. I'm like, well, that was never in our mission statement. What was it? It was that place that said, Lord, we'll love everyone you send us. Every person that walks through the door, we want them to feel like home. You know how many, you know, I would say nine out of ten guests tell us that. That when they come, they feel like home. You know why? Because we've provided that place. But guess what? We need help. We need your help to expand that vision, to expand and to host that mandate, to host and to heal. We need your help. So how, how, what does that look like practically? Well, it looks like showing up a little early so you can work in the parking lot. It means getting with Pastor Brooke and serving kids so someone can come in. And not have, to, not have to stress out about their kids and their kids can get ministered to. It's not just, listen, we don't watch kids. We provide children's ministry. We have adult care. Right? Because we know that you were way worse than they were this week. <laughs> right? Come on. But we offer children's ministry. You can minister to our kids. Right? We need your help. What can you bring to the table? Well, I think it'd be awesome. If every person got a hug when they came to overflow, unless they're like, offer the fist, right? It'd be awesome if every person got a fist bump. So show up and do fist bumps. It'd be awesome if there wasn't gravel in the parking lot. Well, come up and get your shot back or get your leaf blower. Blow off the rocks and gravel. I've done it. It takes, you have to do it every week. <laughs> so we want to believe that we're called to that, to love everyone God sends us, and that looks different. Your role in that, what does it look like? To provide that place of refuge. Number two is this, keep the fire burning. Can you say keep the fire burning? Can you say love everyone who sends? Number two is keep the fire burning. In 2016, we had just moved into this facility, okay? And we're going through, like, renovating and all this kind of stuff. pray. And so what's happening is I'm waking up in the middle of the night. And so I wake up one night at three o'clock in the morning. And the Lord says to me, it's three a.m. Just kidding. So the Lord says, so the Lord says, get up and seek me. And I'm like, okay, I've learned to just respond to that and not go back to sleep. And then always, I'm not hundred percent there yet, but I, but I, but I'm getting better. And so the Lord said, come seek me. I was like, oh gosh. So I go and I get up out of our bed because I know if I stay there, I'm going to fall back asleep. And I go back, go into our living room, and I sit down on the couch. I can take you to the spot. And I'm sitting there, 
And the Lord says, call the church to pray. And I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go. You know, I know what that's going to look like. I know a little bit more than you do, God. I mean, that's kind of most of my posture. Nobody's going to show up, Lord. Call the church to pray. So we did for four or six weeks. I don't remember what it was. And so we had come in here and just play some music Saturday nights. I was told everybody, we're going to pray. We're going to believe God. Like two people showed up for four weeks. <laughs> now, a few people would show up. The last night, I'm here. A woman walks in. She prays with me for about two minutes and realized it was awkward for her just being here with me. And I'm glad she did. She took off. <laughs> so I was like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you. I don't need any of that. And so... Uh, grateful she was here to pray, but uh, my wife's not here, so go, please. And so I didn't tell her that, but I'm like walking around and I'm praying and I'm just, listen, I'm not like praying like normally because when I'm praying normally, I'm like, come on, bring it, Lord. You know, I'm pacing and I was not doing that. I was just like, okay, Lord, you called us to pray. Here I am praying. Thank you, Lord, for our church. Thank you for our nation. And so that last night, I walk over here and I lay right here on these seats. And I'm praying. I'm just like, God, why isn't anybody here? I'm so discouraged. I was already discouraged. And then I just piled that on top of what I was going through. And I said, I was like, Lord, all right, it's almost six, almost six o'clock, just a few more minutes, I can go home. And the Lord says, Don't let the fire die. He said, Keep the fire burning. I was like, I was like Lord. What fire? There's like no fire here. I actually told the Lord that. What fire? There is no fire here, Lord. And I knew at that moment that God was calling us to be a praying church. Not, come on, not a, not a church that prays, a praying church. Because that's different. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to tell anybody about that. And so I, was, I felt like the Lord gave me a time frame to start that. I felt like it wasn't immediate, but it, but but to give me the grace to wait a little bit. And I waited. And then I waited. And then I waited. And I, in my heart, I'm going, we've got to start praying. We've got to start praying. We've got to start praying. And I'm, I'm in the, the deepest discouragement season of my entire life. And I'm thinking, we've got to start praying. <clears throat> and this is what happened. I thought, when I'm better, we'll pray. When I'm better, I'll do what God's called me to, be, to do. A lot of y'all think that. When I'm healthy, then I'll start doing what God's called me to do. Can I tell you? Start doing what God's called you to do, then you'll get healthy. And so for me, the delay, the delay of my depression, if you will, was, part, was in part my disobedience to what God had called me to do. So don't, don't, listen, delayed obedience is disobedience. And I was being disobedient. And so six months later, knowing all that, not even six months, nine months later, we finally start this thing on Saturday nights called The Furnace. And we said, we're just going to get together, and we're going to pray. I don't care who shows up. This is what God's called us to do. From 5 to 6 on Saturday nights, we're going to minister to the Lord. Sunday mornings, we minister to people. On Saturday nights, we minister to the Lord. The most important ministry at Overflow Church doesn't happen on Sunday morning in the kids. It happens on Saturday nights to the Lord. That's the most important ministry. And guess what? A handful show up. But guess what we do? We put fire on the altar. It's not for us. It's not a time of personal ministry. Sometimes that happens. But just as we get here, and we, you know what we do? We keep the fire burning. We go, and it's taken from Leviticus chapter 6, verse 12. This is what the priest, how many know that you are a royal priesthood? 
And so this is what the priest did. This is what the Lord told him in Leviticus 6.12. He says, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. We have a mandate at Overflow Church to keep the fire burning. Where, what, is, what is the fire? What is, we're just ministering to the Lord. Does he need ministry? He wants ministry. How do we minister to the Lord? Through prayer and through worship. That's how we minister to the Lord. So some of y'all get a bite of that on Sunday mornings when your worship song, and then we go, oh, it just ministered so much to me. Well, it's really not about you. It's really about ministering to the Lord. That's why we worship. But what we do is when we, when, on Saturday nights, we just say, you know what? It's not a, we're not trying to provide you know, this, this big arrangement to, to minister to people. We're just ministering to the Lord. And in that, we get ministered to. It's just a reaction. So we're called. Did you know that you're called to minister to the Lord? Maybe you can't make it on Saturday nights. Maybe you can make it once a month. Awesome. But somebody, listen, let me, let me tell you about prayer. And I'm, I'm learning. And we're going to do a prayer series here in a couple of weeks. It's, don't check out. <laughs> Just thinking, oh, Lord. Prayer sometimes is really boring. Prayer sometimes God doesn't say anything. Prayer sometimes is you just sitting there and your mind going another place. But you just put the time in. Why? Because you want to keep the fire burning. And if you'll, and if you'll, you'll stay there, come on, if you'll stay there when it's dry, you'll receive it when it's burning. You know what I'm saying? But you've got to be there. You've got to be there. So Jesus passionately and emphatically emphasizes this one thing. The greatest moment of passion that we see in Jesus' ministry, we love it when he's tipping over tables. Yeah, get down here, all you money changers. And everybody's like, yeah, Jesus doesn't like money changers. Do you understand the point of the story? The point of the story was not, the, not materialism. That wasn't the point. The, the point was that peop, the materialism had replaced prayer. Jesus makes the statement. He doesn't say things are bad, money's bad. He doesn't make that statement. He says, my father's house, my house will be called a house of prayer. Beloved, I do not want Overflow Church to be known as a house of programs or a house of production or a house of preaching, but a house of prayer. When the Lord looks at, I want the rumor in heaven, I want the word to get out before the Lord that Overflow Church is a church that prays. It's a house of prayer long before it has any of those other things. This is the heart of the house that we do not let the fire go out. So we need ministers on Saturdays, because we're like, we got to start, we're talking about this with the staff, we're like, we got to start running Saturdays like a service, we got to make a priority, because right now, it's just like, we're just kind of burning our little candle, we've got it, we, we need help, because people won't come, because their kids, you know, kids are going to come in and be like, what are we doing, their iPads at full volume, right, so we, we need help. We need help people watching kids. We need help people running sound. We need, we need musicians. We need singers. We need prayers. We need that Saturday night. Why, why do we need all that? Because we want to minister to the Lord. We want to give the Lord an hour of our week. And so whatever your involvement looks like in that, you need, you need listen, this is part of the house. You need to be involved in that at some point. If you're a member at Overflow Church, then you should participate in the furnace. Maybe not every week, but, you, but it needs to be in your, in your DNA. Maybe you do it from home. That's what if, if the rare occasion that I'm not here on a Saturday night, it's playing on my phone. And I'm there. I'm engaged. Y'all okay? 
So, love who he sends. Keep the fire burning. Come on. Love who he sends. Keep the fire burning. And the third is this, open wombs. Everybody say this, open wombs. So we start the furnace. I get through my breakthrough. And then in 2017, that year, later that year, we are seeing this crazy amount of infertility at Overflow Church. Crazy amount. Now, we had, there was already kind of like this thing happening, and we saw a few miracles of women that were pregnant, were, were, could not get pregnant, got pregnant. And Pastor Leslie really carries the mandate of that really inside of her. She's not real vocal about it, but, but, but it's in her. And part of the, the founding of our church came from a, a place of miscarriage. And so it's, it is tied into our story. And so there's a couple, sweet couple that were struggling to get pregnant. They got pregnant, and then she had a miscarriage. And so it's a Saturday night. We're praying. There's half a dozen of us in the room. And we're just, Pastor Leslie gets up, and she's praying for this sweet family. And she's saying, Lord, we just pray that you bring comfort. Lord, that you would just do a work in their heart. And I'm standing in the back right over there where Noah is. And I'm pacing. And I'm just praying like I always pray. And God speaks to me and he says, Overflow Church is going to be the house of the open womb. It's clear, listen, as clear as I've heard any of these other things. As clear as I've ever heard God speak in my entire life. He said, Overflow Church is going to become the house of the open womb. Can I tell you? We got up, we prayed, Father, we told everybody, we're like, we'll do it, yes, Lord, we will be the house of the open womb. When, we, when I've been praying over buildings that we wanted, I pray, Lord, that that would be the house of the open womb. The baby, the women that couldn't get pregnant, they get pregnant in that building. The people that couldn't have families, they would have families in that building. We'd raise their kids. We'd do all those things. And I, I, I just, such a burden. Within nine months, it was like baby fever. I'm talking a place that was it could have been defined in some ways as barren, so many, so much. Within nine months, pregnancy after pregnancy after pregnancy after pregnancy. We had, we, within, within a year, we dedicated like 10 babies. Our church was like 80, 90 people at the time. Crazy. We've had people come in. Other ministers come in and get prayed for, and wombs get opened. We have we've seen this. There is a rumor that we open wombs, that God opens wombs through us, Right? I know that y'all, everybody's so careful about that. It's in our hands. Just be comfortable with it. And so Jesus, one of our key verses, and the Lord opened this up to me a year and a half ago. We were doing a series called Rivers, and uh, we were already seeing all this kind of stuff. And then in John chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus is on, Jesus is at this festival, and he's, he's feasted tabernacles, and then he stood up and he shouted to the crowds. Now, he wasn't like, hey, everybody, like he's, again, emphasizing something that's a value, and he says this, and we talk about this verse a lot because this is the theme verse of our church. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone. Anyone who wants to come in and get shelter in the wings. Come on, he says this. Anyone who wants to come to me, anyone who believes in me, come and drink. I'm here, I'm a fountain, I'm ready to drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And so we, that's been our verse. Yes, rivers of living water. Drink, drink from the river, you're right? Drink from the well, the river takes over, right? Drink of Jesus, the river takes over. We talk about that a lot. We, we drink of Jesus, we become a life source. This is overflow, this is our philosophy. And so I'm studying this verse a year and a half ago. I had looked at this verse a thousand times. I decided to look up the Greek finally for that word heart. Sometimes it says inmost being. And I look it up, and the word is koilia. And the word koilia in the Greek 
is the same word for womb. And the Lord spoke to me. And he says, first comes the natural, then comes the spiritual. And at that moment, we saw a second wave. We saw a bunch of babies. Oh, oh pregnancy, pregnancy, pregnancy. Barren wombs open, pregnancy. Whoa, there's another one. So we're like, come on, bring it, Lord. And then right before COVID hit, we were experiencing the spiritual. We started experiencing more renewal like we've never seen. We feel like we're kind of getting back into that right now. And uh, all of that, first comes the natural, then comes the spiritual. God says, I'm doing, I'm opening wombs, not just natural wombs, some spiritual wombs. Some of you haven't been able to produce spiritually. Come on, you're barren spiritually. Guess what? The Lord's about to open your womb. And so we're believing that. We're believing that physically and spiritually. Don't just say spiritually. And we, we do this. I don't know why people do this. They dismiss the natural. First comes the natural, then comes the spiritual. And God said, I'm doing this as a sign to show you the movement that's going to happen through Grand Prairie, through Overflow Church, in, in this region. Why? Not just for womb, physical wombs to be open, but spiritual wombs. So God's doing it. So he's gathering us together so that we can see open wombs. Okay, you ready? Let's declare these again. Our mandates to love who he sends to keep the fire burning, and open wombs. Open wombs. So what do you do? Where is your place in that? You do what other people have done. You find, out, you, you find somebody that's struggling with infertility, get them here. And we've done this a lot. They don't have to come be a, be a member of Overflow Church. Just let's get our hands on them. We've seen this. Do it. Just be an advocate for it. Well, come. You know, I mean, it's, you, you might go to the doctor. And it might not work. Come on. Come on. You might go to the doctor and it might, he might try something that won't work. Well, just give it a try. Come on. It's just, maybe you're just giving it a try. Maybe you're coming in faith. I don't know what it is, but just, it's worth, it's worth asking. What do you got to lose? Barrenness? It's the only thing you have to lose. I'm not saying that to be funny or critical. That's the only thing that you have to lose. <sighs> Y'all Okay. So the last one is this. So we do. Say this. So we do. So we do. It's hot in here. It's so hot in here. So we do. So we do. So when Pastor Leslie and I got married, almost 17 years ago, next week it'll be 17 years. Come on. Party, party. Yay. So I like anniversaries. They're always a fun day. So. We got married, and we immediately started talking about how cool would it be to adopt a child from Haiti. This was just a desire that was in our heart. And then we found out how much it cost <laughs> and how difficult the process was. We came to find out that, that some people, it takes them like 20 years to adopt a child from Haiti. It's very difficult because of the corruption of the government, all those type of things. And so in 2018, we get a phone call from a pastor friend of ours. Who, was, who actually was a pastor. He wasn't a pastor anymore, and he was taking over this organization called Transform Haiti. And, and it, basically what it was, is it wasn't called Transform Haiti. It was just a mission that was happening in Haiti that a man named uh, Brother uh, Henry Lee Sullivan, I can't even think of his name because I call him Papa Sullivan all the time. Henry Lee Sullivan started this ministry in 1974. And so he was getting old. His supporters were dying off. And so they, they said, we gotta, he, I got to find somebody. He didn't have any natural children. He said, I got to find somebody to take over this mission. So this gentleman said, okay, I'll take over. And so he calls us, and he says, uh, Pastor Josh, Pastor Leslie, he's like, I know you guys have a heart for Haiti. He's like, would you be interested in being a part of our board? Yes. He's like, it's got these orphans, 
all these kids. It's got this these churches that are connected to it. It's got a well-established ministry, but it's it's been it's been kind of dying because the the older gentleman that had founded it is he's he's dying. So support base has died over all these years, and and so we're living on a skinny budget. They're barely able to make it, and they need someone to say, you know what, I'll I'll run with it. We be on the board. Yes, we go be on the board. So we get on the board, and we start investing time. Come on, we start investing talent. We start investing treasure, money. Come on, we started investing in it. And so he came to us and he said, would you guys mind doing uh, running the, the financial end through Overflow Church? We're like, yes, absolutely, whatever we need to do. I'm building websites. We're, like, we're working, 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 no movement. We're working our rears off. We're like, what's happening? When are we going to Haiti? Radio silence. This is, come to find out this gentleman was going through a real difficult time. And so about six months after that, if you guys know me, I'm not the most patient person. And so... I was like, hey, man, we need, we need to talk. Like, we're doing all this work and nothing's happening. We need to talk. He's like, okay. So we sit down. And I was like, listen, if things don't get moving by the end of the year, we're out. Like, we just can't continue to, like, be invested with our heart like this. And it's like nobody else is doing anything. That's literally what we felt like. So I was real honest with the gentleman. And he's like, well, you know, I've just been thinking and praying about it. He's like, why don't you guys just take over? And I was like, and we kind of felt in our heart that that might happen. And I, I said, uh, well, we've never even been there. We've never been to the mission. I, I don't know. He's like, well, let's get you over there. And so we waited another nine months waiting, waiting to go. When are we going? Well, radio silence. Where are we going? Where are we going? So my pa- so Papa Sullivan, the man that started the mission, went and talked to our pastor because he is attending his church, Adam McCain, and he said, listen, we're, we're trying to, I'm about to die. If somebody doesn't take over, this thing's going to crumble. He's like, we've, we've got to have some traction here. And so Pastor Adam calls me, and he says, hey, we need to have a meeting Thursday. This is on a Tuesday. We need to have a meeting Thursday in my office with, with Brother Sullivan. And so I call Leslie. He's like, well, they want us to be there. We're going to have this. This other gentleman that we become friends with through the process, Jack Clark, he said, so we're all going to be there. So we go, and we sit down, and Brother Sullivan's there. We met him. Just such a precious man. And I just fell in love with him just through his stories and just like his legacy and all the things that God had done through him. And so we're in this meeting in Pastor, Pastor Adam's office. And he's like, he's asking us, will you take it? And so Pastor Adam says, why don't you guys become the interim directors and, 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 until you can go to the mission and see it? It'll give you some time. So within a month, we're on a plane, Jack and I. We're going to be there. We're going to be in Haiti for two days. I'm going to spy out the land, and I'm going to say yes or no to it. And so if you guys remember, in 2018, that was the year of the green light. You remember? So we're in the plane, and I'm like, the whole time, my prayer about it is, Lord, I need a green light. I need to know something. So we get there. We get on the ground. We love on the kids, falling in love with the kids, you know, holding the kids, you know, just broken at the poverty that, we're, that is all around us. And, and that's, we were there on a Monday and a Tuesday, and then we were flying back on Wednesday. We get there Monday. We fly back on Wednesday. And on Tuesday night, they have a prayer gathering, and we're in this prayer gathering. And there's this woman up there. They brought in an interpreter for the prayer meeting for Jack and I. We're like, the the only white person I saw the whole time we were in Haiti was Jack. And so we're like there in this prayer meeting. Man, they know how to pray. They're like going out there like, yeah, come on. It's praying in tongues because, you know, it don't matter. And so we're just like praying. And she's up there interpreting everything that they're saying. So she walks off the stage, and she points at me, and she goes, I know you. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she points at Jack, and she goes, and I know you. <laughs> I'm like, well, you're like, the Lord revealed you, reveal us in a dream or something. And she goes, I went to Christ for the nations. 
And when I was there, you were my teacher. And I said, what is your name? And she said, my name is Junia. And when she said her name, I got chill bumps on top of chill bumps running all up and down my back. And I, I remembered. I was like, I remember you. And she said, I went to Christ for the Nations for two years, and I took the class that you were teaching. And she said, I took a module class that Jack was teaching. She said, I went there for two years. And when I was there, God called me to come back. And I couldn't believe anything else. But I couldn't think of anything else except for this was a green light. And so I'm like, Jack, he's like, yeah. So we get on the plane, we come back, and I'm like, I'm going to spend as much time with Papa Sullivan as I can. And his health is declining. So Pastor Leslie and I are going to lunch with him, and he's, he's showing up at the house, like, on Sunday afternoons, like, just out of the clear blue, no phone calls or anything. He's showing up. He's giving us money for Haiti. And we're just spending time with him and listening to his stories and listening to his heart about Haiti. And, I'm, and, I, and I feel like he's like, He's like a father that I never had. Like, and I have a phenomenal father. I didn't need another dad, but he's, he's become a, a different kind of father to me, a, a papa to me. And so we're just honoring him and listening to his stories. And, and, and he would always share the stories, and he shared his origin stories. He'd share the stories, and he would say, so they would ask us if they'd do this and that. So we did. And he said, so in 1974, he said, a couple came to us when we were in Haiti. We put our radio show in Haiti in 1974, and a couple came to us, and they said, hey, we, we have some orphans. Will you help us? And Papa Solomon goes like this with his hands, and he goes, so we did. So we did. And it was like every story that he shared about Haiti was, so we did. So we did. So we, we let the word get out about Haiti. So we did. So they needed a, a church. So we did. And just the willingness of his heart captured us. And so we spent about three months with him. It's interesting that he started that in 1974. That was the year I was born. And I thought, man, something, something was born, and something was born. And I felt like that God was bringing this destiny together. It was the green light. So we did. So we did. So we had these little pins made. And it's got Papa Sullivan on there. We got those pictures of him. It's a picture on the left, and it says, so we did. Because I, I, I want to have a willing spirit about, about availability to the Lord. So we did. So we did. So I know what to say. It's that picture right there with him with that cow, that, that Haitian cow. So we did. You can get one of these little buttons. So how do you, how do you, who wants one of these little buttons? Oh, yeah. That one, and over here, yay, and back at the back, so we did. So how do you support Transform Haiti? Well, you can give financially. You can go with us on a trip. Next time we go on a trip, you, if you have a gift, uh, Noah went with us in December, and just when it, we, we got there, we pulled up in the truck, and there's this guy cutting the lawn with a, with a machete. So we're like, we're going to go get you guys, they called it a lawnmower, a weed eater, so we got him a weed eater, and a... Uh, Noah jumps out of the truck, and he's like, <laughs> put, that, put that boy to work the whole time he was there. It was awesome. And he got so much out of that trip. Go with us on a trip. What can you bring? I'm not very good of a worker. All right. Just come and love on kids, because that's the most draining thing you can do when you're there. Yeah, because these kids, they don't get a lot of attention, and especially if you're super white like me, they're like wanting to touch your skin and, you know, touch the moles on the back of my neck and play with my hair. I mean, they're like, and they're just, they're just 
it draws so much up, but it's, it's the most wonderful drain you've ever got. And you're just loving on these kids. And you're just spending time with, eating really fantastic food that our staff creates. And so this, this mission, we've adopted it. It's been given to us. So instead of Leslie and I adopting from Haiti, we adopted a mission. And it's, listen, it's not, it's not Pastor Josh and Pastor Leslie's. It's Overflow's. And we'll have, we'll have outside reach, outside of Overflow. It's really a parachurch organization. But, but we need your help. You know, when you buy something that says Transform Haiti on it, or you buy coffee, that money's all feeding our kids. That money's educating our kids. That money's transforming Haiti. So we did. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do to be a part of any of what we're talking about today? So go ahead and get your passport because you're probably going to want to come with me. Because it's a mandate of this house. Go ahead. Don't wait to get it. When are we going to go? Then I'll get my passport. Get it now. Go ahead and get it. It's a good thing for you to have. It lasts 10 years. It costs you 150 bucks or something. So what does partnership look like? So Jesus gives us his story. I'm going to finish up right here. And he says this. He says that he saw Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. He said to this, his disciples. Now, right before this, he says, he, it says that he looked at the crowds and he was compassionate upon them. And he was compassionate upon them because they didn't have leadership. They were like sheep without shepherds. And he looks at them and his heart is broken. He's filled with compassion. And then he looks at his disciples and he makes this statement. The harvest is great. There's always a need. But the workers are few. We don't have to pray for the harvest. We need to pray for the laborers. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him for more workers into the fields. So what does that look like for you? How do you partner? Now what? What does partnership look like? Now what? Now what? You've talked about these mandates. Maybe some of you are bored. I hope you're not. How does this apply to your life? It applies to your life because this is your church and these are things that your church has been called to. It applies to your life because you need to figure out which one of these things makes your heart beat. And maybe a couple of them do. And you need to buy into it. First thing you can do is pray. You can pray. We can all pray. We can all pray. Listen, expect opposition for these things, but also expect miracles. So we pray, we pray in faith. We know that we'll be opposed, so we pray. Number two is practice faithfulness. What does that mean? That means you show up. That means you show up. You know what faithfulness means? That means you show up when you don't feel like showing up. That's what faithfulness means. Faithfulness doesn't mean I come whenever I can or I have time. No, no, no. Faithfulness says I'm going to show up. The doors are open. I'm there. That's what faithfulness looks like. I'm not I'm calling you. You don't feel like it. Well, show up anyway. Well, I don't want to be fake. You're not being fake. You're being faithful, right? Even when you don't feel like, practice faithfulness. Even when you can't afford to tithe, you tithe. Right? Why? Because you're faithful. You're a faithful person. Number three is be an advocate. Be an ear and be a voice. That's what it means to be an advocate, that you're listening for opportunity. You're listening for ways. Hey, what does a mandate look like, right? But you're also being a voice, you know? Hey, they need a bus. I heard about a bus. Hey, let me tell this person about the bus. They need a bus in Haiti. Hey, I know someone that has a shipping company. We need to ship a bus to Haiti. It costs a lot of money. Hey, I know a guy that runs a shipping company. What are you doing? You're being an advocate. You're wearing a shirt that says Transform Haiti on it. Oh, that's, I can buy that? Yeah, you can buy that. Why do you buy the shirt? So you have a cool shirt? No, you have a shirt so you can tell people about what's happening, what the mandate that God has placed on our church. 
That's why you wear an overflow shirt. You don't wear, shirt, you don't wear it because, it's, because it looks awesome. It does look awesome. But you don't wear it because it looks awesome. You wear it so people ask you, oh, that's a cool shirt. What is that? Well, let me tell you. We have a church that opens wombs. We have a church that feeds children. Come on. Again, what if was spoken by the church was more positive than negative? What if that? What if people were advocates, come on, instead of accusers towards the body of Christ? Because we have a whole lot of accusers. Come on. We have a whole lot of opposition. We have a whole lot of negative things spoken about about the body of Christ. What if we had more advocates? What if we had people that would speak positive to silence the negativity? What if we had people that weren't ashamed of Jesus' bride but proud of her? Advocates. Be an ear. Be a voice. And number four is participate. Put in the work. Did you put in the work? Did you sign up? First thing you got you need to do is you need to become. Some of you've been coming to Overflow for like a year and you've never gone through the deeper membership track. Why haven't you done that yet? Put a ring on it. Come on, put a ring on it. Talk to Pastor Brooke about serving. Hey, where can I come? Where can I minister? Because it's all ministry. Whether you're running a camera or whether you're up here at the ministry team praying or you're playing in the band, it's all ministry. It's all ministry. Maybe you got you can carve out an hour of your Saturdays a month to come and run sound. You're ministering to the Lord. All these things. What can you do? Participate. Participate. Become a member. Become a volunteer. Some of y'all, you've been coming for a while. You need to become a leader at Overflow Church. You say, you know what? I'm going to raise the standard of my life. I, I'm not just going to come and hear about the vision and participate in the vision. I'm actually going to help lead the vision. We need more leaders. Beloved, if you've been coming to this church for more than three months, let me just be real frank with you. If you've been coming to this church for more than three months and you're not serving in some capacity, you are malnourished. You might not know it. You might not feel, feel, feel that way. But if you've been coming for more than three months and you're not bought in and you're not doing something, then, then you are not hurting us. You're hurting you. Buy in. How, how can we grow? How can we expand? How can we add a second? We can't add a second service right now because we don't have the laborers. We're praying, Lord, send us the laborers. And I want, I want to take a moment as we're, as we're finishing up. We want to recognize a couple of folks that have been serving with us that are here today. We do Volunteer of the Month, but we haven't done it in a while. But we really love the Garcia family because they serve so well. They're such good people to us. We love their family and their kids. We love Callie, how she just shows up. Come on. She makes all that good, yummy coffee. Come on. She, she don't even drink coffee. But she provides it. Come on. And how she loves on her children. We love Jess. Where's Jess? Where are you at? Is she working? She's serving? No, she's in the front. Oh. This Jess right here. There she is. What happened to you? I overlooked you. You were sitting right here. We're so grateful. The way you come and serve and smile and look at people in the parking lot. I'm so grateful for the Vargas family. I, th I think about last, last fall whenever Ian was receiving that open womb word and just, you know, has, has to be out like recently or, or later. And Matt just jumped in. It's like, I can do it. Got that big oh yes. So he did. I'm so grateful for the Vargas family. Your wife's probably serving the kids right now. See, look at that. Look at that. Even serving. 
So we're just so grateful. We're so grateful. And all of you, we're grateful for you. You will get recognized. I mean, just, what am I going to get recognized? We'll, we'll, it'll happen. It'll happen eventually. I wasn't overlooking you. I was looking over you. By the way, that's it. let me correct my verbiage there. Uh, that'll take that out of the recording. All right, will you stand with me?